Welcome to Boosting Your Financial IQ, a podcast for investors, business leaders, entrepreneurs, and individuals looking to transform their organizations and lives through greater financial literacy. I'm Steve Coffrin, and I'll be your guide as you seek to better your financial life. I turn around, grow, and invest in high potential companies, and I'm here to teach you the fundamentals of accounting and finance so you can speak the language of money and act intentionally to drive greater financial value. Are you ready? Let's do this. Thanks for joining me for another episode. Before we get started, remember that this content is for educational purposes and should not be construed as financial or legal advice. See the podcast notes or byfiq.com for a full list of disclaimers, terms, and conditions. Now on to the episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Fin Weekly, where I provide weekly updates on what's happening in the world of finance and in the economy. Today is Wednesday, May 10th, 2023. My name is Steve Coffrin, and today we're gonna kick things off with guess what topic? Yes, the banking sector. So as of yesterday, banks continue to rally, but the markets are showing signs of trouble. In fact, regional bank stocks rallied at the start of the week, following a run-up of the overall market on Friday. Interestingly enough, New York Federal Reserve President John Williams on Tuesday said that the U.S. banking system remained sound and resilient and that the worst part of the banking crisis was likely over, with problems limited to only a handful of banks. Despite these seemingly positive signs, there are also some warning signs that bank stocks are approaching a crisis-era threshold. While investors are still fearful about the solvency of these regional lenders, the S&P 500 Financials Index has fallen to almost the same lows as in 2007 as of this Monday. Now remember folks, it took more than 10 years for the U.S. economy to recover after the 2008 credit crisis, which is why if the financial index continues to fall below this barrier again, it could be a leading indicator for the wider stock market. Here's why. When this happens, the banks are pressured to cut back on lending to conserve capital. And when credit tightens, the overall economy suffers and growth either stagnates or declines. When asked how he views the credit conditions in light of several bank failures over the last two months, President of the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago, Austin Goolsby, said that, quote, the credit squeeze is beginning. And Goolsby is also among those who voted in favor of raising the Federal Reserve policy rate by a quarter point last Wednesday. He also said that the recent banking turmoil is a key contributor to the economy's cloudy outlook but reiterated that the focus of policymakers remains on curbing inflation. Given the recent increase in interest rates last week, continued volatility in the market, and the tightening of lending, we should anticipate more issues popping up, especially among regional banks in the near term. All right, now let's shift gears over to the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting that was conducted last week and over the weekend. During this meeting, Warren Buffett warned that it's the end of good times. At last week's Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting, Buffett commented that the signs are pointing to an economic slowdown, saying that the majority of their businesses will report lower earnings this year compared to last year. Despite this grim future outlook by the Omaha Sage, the company posted operating earnings of $8 billion for the first quarter of 2023, up 12.6% from $7.2 billion a year earlier. When asked about the banking sector, Buffett praised the government's intervention to shore up the banks, saying it averted what could have been even a bigger crisis. Buffett also noted that, quote, the American public 
doesn't understand their banking system. And some people in Congress don't understand it any more than I understand it. And remember, this is coming from one of the most successful investors of all time. This black box with banking and uncertainty is underpinning the lack of confidence in the US financial system as the crisis continues to unfold. Moving on to the Federal Reserve, confidence in the Fed is waning. The public's confidence in the Federal Reserve is hovering at a record low. According to a recent Gallup poll, only 36% of US adults have a great deal or a fair amount of confidence that the head of the Fed, Jerome Powell, will make the right moves to get the economy back on track. In fact, Powell's rating is lower than Yellen's 37% score during her first year as the boss of the Fed, and even lower than that of Ben Bernanke during the lowest point in 2012. So what do you think that says? This is important because confidence in the Federal Reserve usually follows the general health of the economy. Just as a point of reference, in April 2020, and after the mandated lockdowns due to COVID, Powell's public confidence rating was writing at a high of 58%. So it's down quite a bit. A lot of this probably stems from the fact that the Fed is in a tough spot, as I've mentioned in other episodes. Remember, as inflation runs hot, the Federal Reserve, in order to curb inflation, they have to raise interest rates, and interest rates only negatively impact the overall economy. So the Federal Reserve is really stuck in a hard place. Moving on to Goldman Sachs. The mega bank Goldman Sachs agreed to pay $215 million to settle a long-running class action lawsuit that accused the company of systematically paying women less than men. Goldman settled the case with lawyers representing about 2,800 female associates and vice presidents. The bank said that they remain committed to ensuring a diverse and inclusive workplace. Quote, after more than a decade of vigorous litigation, both parties have agreed to resolve this matter, said the bank's global head of human capital management, Jacqueline Arthur. Quote, we will continue to focus on our people, our clients, and our business, end quote. I believe this is a good sign and hopefully sets the stage for other companies to get any discrepancies in the pay structure in line to ensure a quality of pay in the workplace. This is really important. Moving on to the debt ceiling. President Biden met with Kevin McCarthy to discuss how the U.S. can avoid defaulting on their debt in the next three weeks. Ahead of their meeting, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has been personally calling CEOs and business leaders to discuss the potential consequences of brinkmanship regarding the debt ceiling. But what were the main takeaways from their meeting on Tuesday night? Well, ultimately, while they didn't make significant progress during their meeting, there is still hope for a deal as they pledged to continue negotiations on things like spending, which could open the door to a possible bipartisan agreement. Ahead of their meeting on Tuesday, McCarthy stated that a short-term debt limit extension was out of the question, even though it might be the most expedient solution. Ultimately, that's because both sides don't want a short-term fix. They want a long-term deal. We do know that there will be another meeting on Friday between President Biden and the congressional leaders, and the hope is that with budget discussions still in place between members of both parties, there might be an opportunity for the volatility in the markets to ease up a little before June 1st. And again, reaching this deal is essential if the U.S. wants to avoid exhausting their ability to meet their payment obligations. The Republican-led House passed a bill last month that would raise the debt ceiling by $1.5 trillion 
in exchange for $4.8 trillion in budget deficit cuts over 10 years. The White House has been adamant saying that it will only accept a clean, no-strings-attached debt ceiling increase. But there's definitely some tension being felt there because Republicans have demanded deep domestic spending cuts in exchange for their support of this deal. The fact is though, regardless of whether the US government defaults, the economy will still feel some of the negative impacts of the debt ceiling deadlock. Worst case scenario, if the US were to default on their debt, it would have some pretty dire consequences for the US and the global economy. Not only would it involve raising interest rates even further, but it might lead to an increase in lending costs, which might further destabilize the financial markets. And that would look really bad for the overall credibility of the US Treasury securities. Remember folks, this is a big deal. The United States hit its statutory debt limit of $31.4 trillion already, okay? Last year, we had a budget deficit in the United States of $1.4 trillion meaning if you add up all the tax revenue that the country earns and you look at the spending, we were $1.4 trillion short. In order to cover this deficit, we either have to raise taxes, which will hurt consumer spending and businesses in the overall economy, or we have to print more money as a nation. And this is only gonna to lead to more inflation. So this is a really tough situation that we are in right now. So we will see what happens with the debt ceiling. I believe though that a debt default is pretty unlikely because that would spiral the financial markets into a territory that no one wants to head into. All right, well, I'm going to wrap it here. Be on the lookout for the CPI report today that will reveal where inflation is trending. And remember, despite all this news, I still believe the future is bright and there will be pockets of opportunities across the world of business for those who are prepared and have the financial knowledge necessary to seize such opportunities. Keep on tuning in, and if you're listening to the audio version of this recording, you can gain free access to the video through the Boosting Your Financial IQ app, which is available on the Apple app or Google Play Store. So be sure to check that out as well. In the meantime, take care of yourself and continue to learn ambitiously. Cheers. Hey, real quick, if you get value out of this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would leave us a review. Also, if you want to be featured on the show, send me a recording with your name, your age, where you're from, and your question through a voice note or a video using your smartphone. Then email me the file at hello at byfiq.com. BYFIQ stands for Boosting Your Financial IQ. So once again, it's hello at byfiq.com. If selected, I'll give you a shout out and answer your question for you and the entire community. One last thing, if you want access to additional resources that will help you fast track your path to financial freedom, visit byfiq.com or download our free app in the Apple or Google Play App Store today. Thanks again.